This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. Uh, I'm George Crowder. I'm the Regional Director for the North. And I'm joined today by my colleagues, Chris Moore. Chris, please introduce yourself. I certainly will do, George. Uh, my name's Chris Moore. I'm the Regional Director for the uh, West and the Southwest, um, sort of the Welsh border sliding all the way down to Cornwall. Thank you. And Tony Cannon. Yes, and I don't have a great big microphone like some of us do. My name is Tony Cannon. I'm the regional director for London, the South East and East Anglia. Uh, and that's us. Um, uh, what our bread and butter ministry uh, as, as regional directors is to, I guess, phone people up, meet with people who are doing ministry on the ground and find out what that's like uh, so church society can best support them. Uh, that, that is what we do. Is, that is what we spend most of our time doing. Uh, I thought it'd be a good idea just to have a catch up about that. Some of the things that are, are going on out there or, or down there or in our own lives as ministers and to chat about them uh, and to reflect on them. And we hope that would be encouraging for you as listeners too. Uh, so this is Ministry on the Ground uh, with me, George, and with Chris and Tony. Welcome. And I've been thinking about what sort of things people have been telling me and have my own experience in ministry. Uh, and the first thing I, I wanted to uh, chat about with, with you, Chris and Tony, is uh, is why so many ministers are feeling so exhausted at the moment. I guess we know why, but it, are we registering that? Uh, what was your experience of, of talking to people about it? And, and what are people doing about it? How are they coping with that? Because it is a thing, isn't it? People are feeling exhausted in lots of sectors but in our sector in ministry the people are, are really exhausted some are disillusioned some are really struggling have you have you noticed that too yes i think i have i think i've noticed a load of exhaustion in fact i don't i can't at the minute think of any minister in a church i've spoken to who isn't and hasn't been exhausted i think there's a sense of coming out of things and getting back to some level of normality but I think for many of them, and, you know, many of them are not tech gurus, and they suddenly, as well as everything else that the pandemic will throw at a church, uh, they've had to learn technology. And suddenly they're expected to be almost the BBC. Um, and so there's a whole level of stress and, and not knowing who's there and how many people are listening and watching and engaging and how people are doing. It's the not knowing. I think it's been a very tough time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, you are a tech guru, but are you still feeling exhausted? I'm always exhausted. Um, I think I think what Tony's saying is right. I think as well that there's, as we come out, you hope, of all of this, um, there's also the sense that you're trying to decide what you drop doing. So you had a ministry before COVID struck that was busy. You're working at pretty much 95% capacity. Then COVID comes and you start doing live streams and you might be doing emails or whatever else it's you're doing to try and keep contact with people. Now the pressure, um, and it might be you know, pressure coming from within, but the pressure is now to say, I'm going to do all the stuff I did in COVID and I'm going to do the stuff that I was doing before COVID when I was at 95% capacity anyway. And it's trying to decide what you can and what you mm -hmm. can't do. 
And then you've got the issue where, and this varies from, from place to place, but you're starting to find that not everybody's coming back to church in the same way. Mm. Some people quite like the idea of just watching stuff online and that'll mm. do as well. And how do you do all of that? We've got the issue of communion. Uh, do we use uh, individual cups? The bishops say we shouldn't, but they also then say, but if you do, we're not really going to do much about it. Uh, congregations are split over COVID. Some want to be masked still. One wants someone to be coming back. And even the most united church, united going into COVID, is going to be having tensions over some of those issues. It just it just takes its toll. Mm. Yeah, and interesting you pick up on the whole what do we restart thing. One church I'm in contact with, um, they sort of did a whole uh, survey thing coming out last summer and told the congregation, look, we're not going to restart anything unless we're really, really sure we should. We've got to take this as a wise opportunity to reassess everything. So they did that. They reassessed everything and restarted absolutely everything identically. It's very hard to stop things, isn't it? Particularly when those things are important to real people in the congregation you're pastoring. Yeah, yeah. I I think I agree about the uh, learning curve on technology. Um, I can think of a number of times during the lockdowns where it was just almost, I could almost feel my brain burning from the effort of having to learn something so quickly, having to learn how to video edit, having to learn how to uh, do two-way streaming on Zoom, uh, having to learn how to do a Wi-Fi bridge. Um, all it just, and, and it, it's exhausting. So I can, I can feel a kind of shadow of that effort and energy just gone and not recovered from it. Um, I think like, uh, and I think that's something I've noticed with other ministers too, and not having taken enough of a break in the midst of it all. Uh, I think quite a lot of ministers haven't taken the breaks that they could have for one reason or another. Uh, that is one thing. But thinking about what you guys have just been saying about trying to work out a way out of it, I wonder if one of the problems with that is you just haven't got the energy or the headspace. I, I feel like that as a minister to, set, to sort of to do that. To, to get to to get near it, and you're just almost sort of thinking, well, if that's what they want, I'll just go with that because uh, I just haven't got the processing power left. Mm. Uh, I, I wonder if that is is something people are feeling. Yes, I think that's right. I I recall being taught years ago by Philip Jensen from Sydney that if you want to grow a church, you must only work at seventy percent of your capacity mm. in order to have the creative, energetic thinking time. What he never quite managed to convince me of was how I did that yeah. and get down to 70%. But it's true, you need uh, emotional, physical, mental and spiritual energy um, all the time, don't you? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. The creative process requires rest and, the, and, and to be able to emotionally engage requires rest. I think that's the question we're coming out of. What? what? What are we doing about it? Are you hearing of people doing things about this? Uh, good practices, good ideas for actually getting down to that 70% or lower for the moment. Chris, have you got any thoughts on that? Uh, I think people are 
in the main, people, I think, are just trying to keep on going. And so I'm mm. not sure there's mm. much beyond that. I think some of having the opportunity that they can now go on holiday, I mean, by which I mean, don't not taking time or out, just taking time out, but actually going somewhere else because, you know, we've been trapped in our houses for so long. And of course, when you work from home and your studies in, in the vicarage or the rectory or whatever, then you're never really away from work. So I think that's helping a bit. Um, I took the decision to, as soon as we got to July the 19th last year, which was the kind of the release day, you might remember, you know, when we could all go back to some uh, sense of normality, I stopped streaming services then because I felt if I didn't do it then what was going to be the the kind of tipping off point for that and mm. I was sending out daily emails I started looping those round because I'd written about 300 of these things and nobody ever remembers what they read anyway so I thought I'd just re-loop that um, but I think there is still something of that pressure just to keep on going particularly I think and I think there is an issue when people are not seeing not everybody coming back into the church mm. kind of carry the sense that's your fault somehow mm. and you kind of feel the sense that the way to get around that is to work harder and the real thing is not just be me of course but i think when you're talking about the 70 percent thing tony which is which is interesting because i think that's probably right one thing which suffers when you're working at your 95 percent capacity is the thing that goes is, is prayer it's scripture it's reading stuff that feeds you as well mm. Mm. um so i think i'm seeing people some people I've seen taking retreats, they're going off to, um, what's that, Sheldon Hub place, they're going off there. Um, some people are, are going on holiday, some people are taking a deep breath and just saying to their PCCs, look, I can't do everything, help me to find out things that we can stop doing. But I think trying to stop doing hybrid stuff all the time, unless it's an easy stream with somebody else running it, mm. perhaps that's something which could, people could look at, I don't know. Yeah. I think here, where I'm based in Hailsham and Hailsham Parish Church, they've got a very good tech team. Um, who have kind of just handled all of that stuff, which is great. So they've continued to stream all the way through. But there's quite there's quite a significant number of regular members who watch the stream still and don't come back. And for many, there's a very good reason, you know, all sorts of health issues and, uh, you know, all those kind of issues around access to the COVID. Um, and, and for some, the reasons perhaps aren't quite as good. Um, and it's a very, very difficult thing to do to pull the plug on that when you know a lot of your people are dependent on it. And something else, which I was just going to mention is, um, you know, let's not forget quite a lot of these ministers have actually had COVID. I mean, I'm thinking of one guy, I've I literally just this moment booked a conversation with him, but he's been, uh, he was out for six, eight weeks with COVID. And he's just about, he thinks, back to sort of normal. And this goes back to, I think, November. And another guy, who had huge amounts of energies, could never get him to sit down, wiped out by it for weeks. And in, and in both cases, you know, there's, there's no big support team just to take everything over. So we, we forget that actually COVID is knocking people for six as well. And if you've got children and the children are in and out of either COVID or lockdown at school because of a teacher's off or another child's off or whatever, then families are being scuppered as well. It's it's so uh, it's very demanding out there. Another thing I, I've been thinking about is um, the pandemic has um, accelerated trends. Everybody says that's happened, but usually negative trends. Uh, and there are wider cultural things happening. Not very good at analysing them. I, I'm not, but um, but away from 
away from Christianity, away from a cultural Christianity, away from Christendom, as it were, uh, and the ground is ever more harder uh, evangelistically. Uh, and for me, uh, and I think for others, you know, we, that sense of which it's, it's the, the target is so much further away now, it seems, and trying to get people to come back to church and trying to have services and events such as they are, whatever we've kept going or, or started back at, seems much harder work to get anywhere. Uh, and that is not just exhausting, it's, it's, it, it disillusions as well as exhausts. Um, have you noticed anything like uh, along those lines? I, I think there's something in that, George. When I heard something, and I now trying to remember where I heard this, but it was, um, it might be on a Crossways, a Gospel Bound podcast that Crossway put out. And uh, there was an interview there and somebody was saying that if you look back, and they'd done this work, but if you look back at previous pandemics or, or you know, outbreaks of Spanish flu or whatever else it might be, the pattern was that as you came out of that, there was a, a lot more spending, which gave a bit of a boost in the economy, but church attendance went down. Mm. And this is a this is a discernible pattern over a number of these different kinds of events. Um, now, you could theorise as to what that might be, maybe a sort of a brush with death makes people think, well, that's going to enjoy this life as much as we can while we got it. Who knows what it is? But that that does seem to be a pattern and it's something we should be aware of because it means that our efforts at mission, our efforts at evangelism, people aren't listening quite so much as the way they might have been before. And so if we're not getting the response, that's a pattern in human behaviour we need to be aware of. It's not, again, down to the fact that we're no good at it. It's just that, you know, people's attention may be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's very, I read in the last week that in the, in the US, church attendance is down 35% compared to before the pandemic because people are much happier being at home <laughs> and not having to do hard work, things like love their neighbor and stuff. Um, that may be a short-term thing. I didn't know about the kind of Spanish flu and other previous pandemics. I think that makes a great deal of sense. People, uh, people have been very, very frightened. In, even Christians have been frightened. Um, but I do think it's still a great opportunity for the gospel. Um, you know, with Passion for Life coming up at Easter, and so, so many gospel churches across our land and, and across Ireland um, doing missions um, in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different levels of intensity, that's the word, um, and some great, resources we're using them down here in in growth groups home groups just to challenge stimulate encourage equip the congregation us to you know be intentional about wanting to talk to our our loved ones and our friends uh, about the lord jesus and you know we've come through this probably in a different place to many others because you know we build our lives on the rock not on the sand and uh, that's a that's a difference that we need to be, I think, um, accessing and using, and indeed pointing people to. You're listening to the Church Society podcast, brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. Church Society supports local churches, ministers, and Christians around the country through our publications ministry, books, a quarterly magazine, a theological journal, 
this podcast and a whole host of teaching resources in video, audio and print format. Our growing team of regional directors are available to support and encourage ministers and local groups. We organise a number of regular annual conferences, regional conferences and online webinars. We're involved in partnership with many other evangelical organisations in this country and around the world. We have regular prayer meetings and a prayer diary for members. In all of this, we're seeking to build a fellowship of believers who want to see the kingdom grow and the Church of England be reformed for the glory of God and the good of England. We'd love to have you join us. You can join us as a member or an associate and you'll find all the information about how to do that on our new website at churchsociety.org. We're looking towards Easter and uh, and Passion for Life is focused sort of around that time uh, to encourage us to equip people. And there's a lot of materials there, little courses, video courses and things to equip people uh, for, for, for uh, building on the connections that they have in their community, uh, in their families, in, in their neighbourhoods. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Has, have you heard anything, um, any good plans, any good approaches about that? Yeah, down here, down in the, I'm, I'm right down in the southeast where we don't have storms, um, and it's really rather nice. Uh, uh, the South, the Sussex Gospel Partnership is a thriving gathering of ministers, um, both Anglican and Free Church, who are gospel ministers and working together. And uh, there's been a a big push and a lot of enthusiasm for Passion for Life amongst that grouping. Um, and they are encouraging churches to get involved and equipping them. Um, and uh, yeah, we're doing that here in Hailsham. We're having a week of Connect 22, I think it's called. Um, and uh, there's going to be a number of events going on and so on. Um, and then they're doing certain events where we're actually teaming up with two other nearby uh, gospel parishes. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of enthusiasm down here, a lot of tired people, and a lot of people being roped into organise events and and you know be extras on the set. So uh, and they're often tired, but hey, this is really what we're about as a church, isn't it? Making disciples and making Christ known. Yeah, I think that uh, we're going to use the video resources uh, from after half term for during Lent. Um, and that means that I don't have to prepare any house group notes for a while, so that sort of gives me a little rest, and and so so I think that's a positive uh, thing. As and but I, I I haven't found the energy to organise any special events. Just labelled all the usual events. A passion for life, I think, is the approach I'm going to go for. Uh, what about you, Chris? To be absolutely honest, I've not really spoken to anybody much about this over the past few months. I suppose the people I've been tending to talk to have been in um, those, well, what, what we're calling revitalization settings to some extent, but, but when they're in the multi-parish rural settings, which I've been kind of looking at more recently uh, because it's very familiar to me, I suppose, there's not much engagement with that going on. There's a sense that the churches aren't quite there to get it now i'm not trying to suggest that's the case entirely across the board there's some larger churches in exeter uh, which i'm sure would be running it but but out in the kind of the wilds of dartmoor i'm not sure there's a lot going on on that sense i think people get quite 
and when I say people, I'm talking about people in con- congregations in rather more mixed churches, get rather scared by uh, missions or evangelism because it kind of puts you on the spot a bit. It kind of asks, makes you beg the question of yourself. Um, so to be quite frank, uh, when I just spotted this on your list of things to talk about now, George, I thought not a lot to say, but hopefully Tony can fill in the gaps. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess Easter might be a bit more open this year than compared to the last two years. Uh, Passion for Life is a useful, a very useful and very well-resourced, off-the-shelf tool to equip churches and church families. And it is a, it's a suite of resources more than uh, a, a kind of campaign to do a load of events uh, to equip people. So that is, I think, a, makes it a very positive thing. It's worth looking over um, in that way. One thing, I mean, I, I, I'm in a revitalization setting here and I spend a lot of time thinking about revitalization. What, so, what exactly uh, is that for people who don't know that fra- phrase? It was new to me quite recently. Uh, so um, when there is a, ch- a parish church that uh, has a congregation but hasn't necessarily had a Bible teaching ministry uh, with, a, with a Bible-focused sermon, uh, before or for a long time, uh, then if, if a, a, a minister uh, and a minister's family go into that setting uh, and seek to start a Bible teaching ministry, so to get the church focused on on, uh, on, on the gospel and on a, on a, a reformed understanding of the Christian faith, uh, it's 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 and, and to, to, that's with the faith that when God's word is is preached. It'll get hold of the people and hold of the community, and the, and the spirit will will do his work and bring life to dead bones. Uh, uh, that's that's revitalization ministry. I think as well, it's, it's there's a real sense in many of these parishes that there's just not been, uh, I mean, not even gospel ministry, just a kind of a a faithful ministry for for a long time. I, I came across something. Uh, written by one of the old bishops of Hereford, Henley Henson, back, I think I'm right in saying, in the early uh, couple of decades of the 20th century. So this is a man writing um, about 100 years ago, no great evangelical himself. But he said, uh, this is from his journals, he said, talking about rural clergy in the Diocese of Hereford, which is where I am, uh, they're not scandalous, but they're depressed, secular-minded, out of sympathy with the people, listless and hopeless, and a large proportion are aged, even senile, I suspect that all pastoral work has seized in some, perhaps many, of the country parishes for many years. Now, that's a century ago, and that's what was being said then. And I think revitalization for me um, is taking, and I'm in rural parishes and in that kind of setting, is taking those parishes that, to be frank, haven't had an awful lot of Christianity for an awful long time, and just introducing them to sort of say this is what we're about this is just basic church this is basic christianity and it's uh i find it excellent i'm gonna have to say it's the most enjoyable uh, ministry i've had really in that kind of way i i wonder chris if um depressed listless and hopeless could describe me quite well in january this year um h- however one thing i the only thing i've really felt moved by the spirit as it were to do as it as it to start is to pray for spiritual renewal and to ask people in my congregation if they're willing to pray with me uh, just for half an hour on Zoom every week for my for our personal spiritual renewal 
because every revival starts with the personal spiritual renewal of particular people who were renewed in their passion for, 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 for God, and for the spiritual renewal of our community and of our world after this tragic period. And, and um, I think... Yeah, that's the only thing I felt just led to do and encouraged to do. And I think it does chime in quite well with A Passion for Life. There's a whole section uh, of the the resources on prayer and encouraging prayer for people uh, in your town and people you know and just praying for for renewal. Tony, have you had similar thoughts or are you going to lead us in a different direction? Uh, Well, not particularly. I just want to say how really excited I am by the revitalization thing because I'm thinking a year ago we were having a conversation and you George were saying I keep coming across uh, guys as vicars in parishes I don't know and they're in they're in these situations where there hasn't been a gospel ministry before or for a long time Um, and then you said to us one day maybe we should try and do something for them because they feel isolated and a bit lonely and not supported or not equipped and here we are not that, that much longer and we've got well over 100 of them who are coming to the regular webinars and giving up an hour and a half of their, their lunchtime to hear from and engage with others doing the same work because they find it hard. They know God's called them to do it and directed them and their families there. Um, and they want to be better at it for the glory of his name. And that's one of those keeping step with the spirit moments, it seems to me. That's what he's doing. He's bringing many evangelicals to take on non-evangelical parishes that are dying. Um, and uh, it's not an easy call, but how exciting to see this happening. I'm, I'm buzzing. Yeah, I know of a fair number who've taken on that during the pandemic in the yeah. last two years. Yeah. People have taken on a revitalization ministry. Yeah. The Spirit is moving people to do this. Uh, and that is... It's encouraging to see God at work and see where, where this might go. I mean, Chris, you're in a, a, a multi-part benefice. That, that wasn't a, well, it was in a different situation than it's in now when you first started that ministry. Well, indeed. Yeah, and it, it is great. I mean, I've, I, I love it here. I've only got, uh, I've got five, five churches, four parishes, because one parish has got a little mission hall. Only got about 2,200 people. And it, it's, it has been good. I've been here for a decade now. And it's been just good to see and to get to know people. And it's a slow job. It's a steady job. It's a long job. But it's, it is tremendously rewarding. But what was on my mind was, as you were talking, and I was just thinking back to you know, the question about people being tired and all the rest of that. I, how much do you reckon, then, if you're in a, a kind of revitalization setting, which is basically saying you're in churches that wouldn't necessarily define themselves as evangelical, I'm wondering how much people are feeling tired and listless because of concerns over the shape of the Church of England in five years. I mean, yeah. who knows when LLF gets through, uh, mm-hmm. when Synod takes decisions, whatever they will be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in a large evangelical church, which is well-funded with a good, strong congregation, you've sort of got cover. If you're under the, you know, the care of the Bishop of Maidstone, you've kind of got cover. But even in a rural setup, as, as we are, and, and you, you just don't have that sort of cover, you're quite vulnerable, really, to what might be going on in the national church. I just wonder whether that's adding to people's anxieties and stress and tension and yeah. tiredness. I think that the that makes a strong case uh, for, uh, I guess, groups of evangelical churches in dioceses to, to 
work together, ministers and uh, and lay people to work together to do the best they can in the response to uh, the LLF um, resources and the course uh, to make the best case um, because these ministries do take a long time and we do need time for that, that to happen. Uh, yeah, so Tony, I mean, I think recently you've been talking about this uh, that in Chichester, was it? Uh, that, uh, that people are being getting together and making a good case for for, for giving good feedback. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, yes. The uh, Chichester Diocese, the bishop put out a, a very good survey. I think he just went to clergy and licensed ministers. Um, I might be wrong, and I think it was just that. Um, and just on, you know, our views on, our experience of both the issues and the LLF material and all the rest of it. And uh, that, that survey was completed in, in some shape or form. Um, and then the Diocese and Synod debated for an hour what they would say back to the centre of the Church of England about the issue. In other words, it was the feedback from the Diocese to the centre, what's called the next step uh, group of bishops. Um, and the, the, uh, the conversation at Diocese and Synod was full of uh, charity, clarity and courage, I think, with the three C's. Um, and as a result of that, uh, a very, very good response from a very mixed diocese with a very strong revision, we want LGBT rights and gay marriage grouping. Um, so I think a report's gone back to the centre, which is very encouraging. And it won't be the same for all dioceses. Some will be much more revisionist than this. Uh, but the thing that encouraged me, I think, was that um, the diocese was willing to amend the draft uh, submission quite significantly from what they had drafted to what Diocese and Synod um, wanted after they had graciously debated it. That's encouraging. It is, especially if that can be repeated in other dioceses, mm. which is, I, I think, something that we're encouraging, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so if you're in a, a different diocese than Chichester and you have access to the Diocese and Synod, you're on the Diocese and Synod or or in any way you have access to, to be able to do that kind of thing or suggest that kind of thing, that would be a very good way of supporting ministry across the diocese. And if you're listening and you're thinking, I'd love to do it, but I don't know quite how they might have done it, well, get in touch with one of us and um, we might be completely unuseless and, uh, and clueless, which we often are, but we might be able to point you towards some people who could help. We need to work together, stand on each other's shoulders, support one another, learn from each other, um, and uh, not try and, you know, uh, create something new every time. Chris, how have you seen people engaging with LLF? Um, I think, well, I think it ranges from uh, people who are just simply not doing the course, and, and often that's because with church wardens are not particularly wanting to engage with what's being proposed uh, particularly when LLF came out initially, there's a lot of sort of conversation around the, the line of, don't they know there's a plague on? I mean, why are we launching this in the middle of a global pandemic? It seems nuts. So I think there's been quite a bit of that. I think some people have, have engaged with it in a rather, um, and it's open sort of cans of worms of which they weren't aware. And people have been quite anxious about taking a, a, a a course through. I'm, for instance, uh, I should be out there this evening. I'm uh, leading a course um, in a parish, large parish, about or about half an hour 
away from me because I can do this as somebody, as a third party, as an independent, and I can take all the sort of brickbats there. Um, so I think that's happened a fair bit. I think really, though, a lot of people aren't particularly engaging with it. And, and the danger in that is that if we're not feeding back, at least, to the centre, we can't really complain saying that the centre don't listen to us because we're not saying anything to be heard. And so the, the kind of feeding back is is vital. There's there's a survey, monkey survey, so a simple survey you fill in to, to feed back, and that's well worth doing. Um, you can feed back to your uh, general synod reps, that's worth doing. You can feed back to your own bishop, that's worth doing. Just feed back everywhere uh, where you can to make sure that voice is heard. And um, I mean, I, there's a website, llf.me.org, UK. Let me just double check that as we're talking, which will have information on the link to the survey. Yeah, llf.me.uk will have links to the survey, the official Church of England survey. That's some other ideas and things that you might be able to do to feedback. But I think the big thing is, please, please, please do feedback. And um, I, I, I am on General Synod, and and we, what will come down to General Synod will have the weight of comments behind it. So we need to make sure that our our views is heard. Thank you. And if you need, as Tony says, if you need any help with any of that, we have lots of resources available on the Church Society website. And please get in contact with the relevant one of us from your your regional area. We we are here to help you, and we love to listen to what's going on in ministry, uh, and we love to talk about it when we get together. We we love to chat and share notes, which is what we've been doing now. We hope you've enjoyed. Uh, listening to that. Uh, we hope that uh, we can do it again. And if there is anything you'd like us to talk about, get in touch uh, as we talk about ministry on the ground, as we seek to reflect on what God is doing in us and through us in the Church of England. Well, as for now, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.